Welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, a podcast for the politically aware brought to you by the Alliance Party. Content for this episode was recorded on August 6, 2020. And a good evening to you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the podcast. This evening, we're talking with Grace Tedder, local coordinator of an organization known as the Sunrise Movement. The Sunrise Movement consists largely of younger people whose goal is to stop climate change while creating millions of good jobs in the process. In their words, they are building an army of young people to make climate change an urgent priority across America, end the corrupting influence of fossil fuel executives on our politics, and elect leaders who stand up for the health and well-being of all people. They advocate heavily for the Green New Deal. Grace Tedder is what's known as a hub coordinator for the local chapter of this nationwide organization, the local chapter in this case being St. Louis, Missouri, and this particular chapter has been around for about two and a half years. Grace grew up in Arkansas, but came to St. Louis to attend Washington University, graduating with a degree in biomedical engineering. She now works at a small solar company in St. Louis. Ms. Grace Tedder, welcome to the Alliance Party After Dark, and thank you for joining us this evening. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. So, you know, while I was doing some research on the Sunrise Movement, and I came across your Twitter page, and there was a there was an interesting tagline on your Twitter page that says, my greatest fear is living the life of comfortable boredom. I love that. It's interesting to me because, you know, it, it sounds passive on the surface, but, you know, if you look deeper... Um, you know, comfort can be, can well be your worst enemy because, you know, it fosters a passive attitude. And with all the challenges that we see today, you know, the environmental calamities are our, our continued struggle against systemic racism. And of course, COVID, um, you know, we can no longer afford to be passive. I uh, hope you keep it on your Twitter page. Well, I'm still, I'm still thinking about it. You're still thinking about, okay, well, I, it's a good one. So I would keep it. I'd like to know a little bit more about the Sunrise Movement. You know, I've, I actually found myself on the Sunrise Movement email uh, distribution some time ago, and um, I don't know how I got on this thing. I may have clicked on the button somewhere or another, but I really enjoy reading all the emails from the Sunrise Movement. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about its motivations and its objectives and perhaps a bit of the history as well as how you guys are organized on a local as well as a national level? Yeah, yeah. So Center's Movement was founded um, several years back now by um, a group of young people, many of whom were sort of recent college grads, and they'd been involved in organizing um, in the the climate movement in different ways, some through um, divestment movements um, at their schools, uh, some through different environmental justice organizations, and basically come from a range of backgrounds. Um, And they all were sort of feeling like what we currently had in place, the the fights that we were fighting, whether that's divestment or some of these other things, they weren't really ambitious enough in scope or scale to meet the climate crisis that we were seeing. And they also weren't really addressing a lot of needs of the people. They were often sometimes, you know, the environmental movement has a, has a tendency to be very focused on like, let's like save the animals, let's protect our parks mm-hmm. without a lot of emphasis on people. And that becomes very exclusionary for like, probably the majority of people in the US who are struggling day to day to get by. Um, and, and so, they were like, we have to be able to address the climate crisis in a way that really focuses on people. Um, and accent instead of making individual people responsible for, for what's really the work of um, a lot of corporations and a few people that really hold a lot of power to create change. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so they wanted to, you know, engage with young people who were, were looking at a future that's drastically different than the world that we've known. Uh, and we're we're angry about it, frankly. We're angry that no one has done anything, even though uh, that we've known uh, that this this climate crisis is a problem. We've known very well since the 70s and we've had sure. ideas before then. So, um, yeah, so they wanted to actually build a movement that would meet the scale of the crisis that, that we are facing. Um, and as far as how we're organized, we are a decentralized movement, meaning that while there is a kind of a core group that, that works on a national level, um, a lot of the organization is just what we call hubs um, mm-hmm. that are located in different towns, cities, sometimes colleges have specific hubs um, all over the country. Um, and that's so that we can really be like very agile and people can organize and works best when you're doing it on a very local scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're, you're meeting people you know in your community and working together on really pressing local issues. But then we can also band together to um, use our collective power to address even bigger, like more national oriented things and do a lot of actions in tandem. So what types of actions are we talking about on the local level here? Yeah. So one thing that Sunrise really became known for um, early on and one thing that I really like think blew up Sunrise and how I actually heard about it um, is through office sit-ins for politicians um, and this is specifically targeting um, politicians who are democratic, but they aren't really doing what you know they they claim to do as the Democratic Party, um, and the party that you know is supposedly working on climate change is a major is a major issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the way that I actually heard about Sunrise was through a lot of the uh, through social media after there was a big uh, office sit-in in Nancy Pelosi's office, um, calling for her to. Um, I think at the time she had the ability to convene the special committee on climate change that could actually like start doing something uh, meaningful. And uh, so they were calling on her to do that at the time. And AOC, who was there um, visiting before she actually took office, joined in with them. And so it it kind of really blew up. Um, And so that's something that folks across the country have been doing is they will do office sit-ins calling on a politician to do something, whether it's sign on to the Green New Deal or, um, you know, stop taking fossil fuel money or, you know, some other policy that, that we're trying to get them to sign on to that really, uh, as their party, they really should be on board with, but they're not standing for the people, whether that's because they're taking money from corporate interests or yeah. um, because they have some sort of alliance they're trying to preserve. But whatever it is, they're not having our best interests as the people at heart. So we're kind of calling for that, sure. uh, for that change from them. How do you know? So that's one of the ways that we how do you know who's getting money from where, though? I mean, if you look at someone like, you know, um, you mentioned Nancy Pelosi. I mean, she has a lot of um, corporations, or not corporate, but PACs, basically, that are giving her uh, her campaign money and such. How do you know where all this is coming from? Do you keep track of this? Yeah, so it takes a little bit of, of, of work to kind of research it and learn the learn the lay of the land on this um and i'm still learning a lot myself uh there's people who are much better at it than me in the movement but um there are like campaign finance um sites that you can go to um the one that i work with the most is the missouri one mm-hmm. um and so it's um mec i guess i forget what it stands for but that's the um the website and basically you can go in there and you can look up any candidate and you can see all of the basically they have to, they have to file mm-hmm. um all of their campaign expenditures and donations. Uh, right. So you can go on there and see, you know, where they're getting their money from and and uh, where it's coming from. And sometimes you have to go through and research those a little bit more because they're often kind of deceptively named. Um, you know, right. someone can name their PAC uh, something very different from, from what it sounds like. And so there's that on the national level as well. And so that's kind of how we do that research. 
And sometimes it's research that we do, you know, directly. And sometimes it's working with partner organizations that we trust who are, who are doing that research and we're, we're talking with them being like, okay, here's what you found on this. Um, but usually, I mean, all that stuff's out in the open. It just is a matter of like learning the jargon basically and, and figuring out how to identify what something is. Yeah. Yeah, that is a really hard thing to do. I know that uh, uh, Senator Clara McCaskill, who, well, ex-Senator Clara McCaskill, uh, that was one of the big issues that she had was it's very difficult to track down these PACs. They, they call it dark money, right? And so mm-hmm. these PACs get in there and they supposedly don't coordinate with directly with the candidates, but, you know, they mm-hmm. are contributing value nevertheless. And it sort of surprises me that, you know, that... Um, it is as obscure as it is. There really is uh, uh, no transparency or very little transparency mm-hmm. in this process. So it makes your job really difficult, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And there's definitely those those pathways that are a lot harder to track, too. So that's where sometimes we, like, you know, we're learning more about this and also trying to talk to folks who have been have been doing this work for a long time. Yeah. So how do you do that, then? When you... When you uh, Let's say you're you're focusing on a, a politician or maybe a small group of politicians whom you feel are receiving money from uh, big energy or you know these big corporations. They're they're obviously having an influence on their vote. What is your plan of attack then? What do you do with that information? Yeah, so it, it can look like a lot of different things, of course. Um, but I guess one thing that we really try to do at Sunrise is provide. Um, like stark moral clarity is kind of how we like to frame it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of our big things is with any action we're doing, we also just really want to target the public. We want the public to see what we're talking about and join us in being like pretty upset about it, right? Um, and so um, a lot of our, our, when we plan an action, we design it to really show that stark moral contrast. So we will, you know, say, you know, that we are doing an office visit or something, something along that nature. You know, we want to we want to show up with with signs that are very, you know, cl- clear stating kind of what we're upset with about that person. You know, we want to it's almost it's in some ways it's almost like a performance of sorts because mm-hmm. we're not only there to show up for that politician, but we're also there to kind of record what we're doing, take photos, document it and be able to share that with the public so that they also know what's going on. Sure. Um, so we will, you know, we'll ha- we'll speak about the issues going on. We'll really like share that as much as we can. Um, and yeah, so it, but it generally can look like escalating, you know, things we can meet with a politician and talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they're still, you know, if they make promises that they don't hold good on or they're still not interested, then, you know, we might, we might escalate to like storming their office with phone calls from constituents or something. And then, you know, it might escal- escalate to, you know, planning an office visit. And then, um, you know, it might escalate to, you sure. know, talking, you know, having, having a, a march or something like that sure. um, and, and different things. So, and, okay. and it also could involve organizing to get them out of office, which is something we, we do pretty, pretty frequently. Yeah. Well, name and shame, I guess, is what they call it, right? You, you, or that's part of it, the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And bring, bring publicity to them. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's very interesting. And do you think that's, that's been effective so far? I know your organization is fairly young, so it's kind of hard to determine because the, the types of goals you're going for are fairly long term. But have you seen some success so far? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that we have. I think that a lot of people just have come to the movement um, because they really resonate with these things that we're saying. So I think that's really effective because part of, you know, while, while any one politician can be a target, like our ultimate goal, like you said, are bigger. So like being able to to just like recruit people through that is, is one thing that, that is kind of a, 
a, a sort of a separate but but also important victory. Um, but I think with some of the electoral victories that we've had, you know, we, we know that like electoral races alone, like that's not going to solve the climate mm-hmm. crisis. But like we said, it is a big part of it. And I think that um, these actions help us build power for those and being able to elect people like Jamal Bowman and Cori Bush, who I'm so excited that we elected yeah. in Missouri this week. That, that was a huge that, victory. That made national news when, when uh, she yes. won the, uh, yeah, she uh, yeah. That, that was I was actually very surprised about that because I didn't I know she tried in 2018 to uh, to mm-hmm. win the primary, but this time she was successful. So good for her. Yeah. Yeah. The campaign really, really threw down for this election. So it was awesome. But yeah, so it, it's helped um, propel it to electoral victories. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's hard to say exactly, you know, what any one action you know, there's sometimes direct results. Sometimes there's a lot of indirect results. Right, um, right. And so we're still every time like learning and figuring that out. But I think we are like building a lot of power through this. And again, even if one action doesn't necessarily get the, you know, even if that, that politician didn't say, oh, yeah, like now I'm going to stop taking fossil fuel money, you know, which doesn't necessarily happen that often. Right. There's a lot of other wins that are kind of achieved through through taking action again and again. Yeah. Well, it's not easy building a groundswell that that just takes a lot of patience and a lot of diligence right. and and perseverance. So, yeah, I get right. that. So the, so the Sunrise Movement is um, it's as you mentioned before, it was started by college students that were, I guess, um, frustrated and upset and angry about the way things are going. There's a lot of emphasis on youth in the website there. Mm-hmm. So is that a necessity? Do I need to get younger to join or anything? Like that? <laughs> yeah. So um, I would say nationally, we are very focused on young people and developing young leaders mm-hmm. um, because this is kind of a fight that we're going to have to continue. Like it's not going to be solved in, in, you know, one year, two years, even even 10 years. So it's yeah. sort of like we want to really focus our energies on on people who are going to be living throughout this throughout most of their lives and building them up as leaders. And they can you know keep training uh, more people up to, to carry this work forward. Sure. Um, so that's part of why there is a big emphasis on, on younger folks. Um, and then I think, secondly, there, there's also sort of the sense that, especially with, with folks who are really young, like high school, middle school age, um, it can be very difficult when you have, have someone um, who, is, who is far, far older than them in, in the room um, taking up a lot of space. So I think in some yeah. ways it is helpful to create an environment where like, those people feel like they can step up and lead um, because they're incredibly, incredibly capable of it. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say like, I think it varies from hub to hub. So nationally, um, kind of the the line is about 35 and younger is sort of our, our focus group. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, seem, it seems like kind of an arbitrary age. Uh, I know in our St. Louis hub, we personally, um, we welcome folks who fall outside that age range. Um, but we just kind of have a conversation about, hey, like, we need you to be in almost more of a supporting role. Like we're trying to train up young leaders. Sure. Um, and so we're very happy to have you here. But just like understand that, like, there's kind of a time to speak up and a time to like make space for younger people to, yeah. to speak and, and, um, you know, develop as leaders. So, well, yeah. So yeah. I know locally here, we welcome other folks too, but it's just a bit of a different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. it it's actually, uh, what I find to be very interesting on a personal level is when I look at all these, uh, issues of today, you know, the, uh, uh, let's pick one, for example, black lives matter. Um, you know, I was, I was living in Los Angeles at the time that the Rodney King riots were taking place. And so that gives you some indication of how old I am. Uh, but, you know, at that point, I thought, you know, this things are going to change here. Right. But it really didn't take hold. Uh, now, you know, fast forward to you know 2020, you look at Black Lives Matter. 
it is the younger people, I think, that are really stepping up. And it's it's mixed too, right? It's black, it's white, it's all colors. So mm-hmm. it's it really is, it gives me, it fills my heart with a lot of hope, actually, that uh, I look at organizations like Sunrise Movement, and it um, gives me a lot of hope that I think you guys are on the right track, honestly. So so good for you. So and, and speaking of that, um, we had struggles um now, I'm not quite this old, but I, there were the struggles in the 1960s and 1970s. I was, I was a young tyke at the time, too young to get involved in that stuff. But uh, there was, uh, you know, the civil rights struggle. There was uh, obviously the war in Vietnam, which was was a which was a horrific thing. But you know that the war was eventually um, eventually was was done with. But other issues like environmental issues and so on, uh, and and systemic racism. And like I say, civil rights movement and so on, all these issues are still with us today. And so I look at the 1960s and 1970s and I say, what happened? I mean, why, you know, why were we, I think, largely not successful? I mean, we have Earth Day, right? We just celebrated the 50th anniversary of that. So there were some things that were done back then. But um, it, it was largely, I think, unsuccessful. And here we are again, you know, in many ways back to where we were before. So how is uh, you know, what, what how is the sunrise movement going to make sure that the focus remains on the issues and that it doesn't get lost this time? Yeah. Yeah, no that's a great question because it's it is hard and it's scary every day kind of thinking, you know, can we sustain this? You know, will will this mm-hmm. fall apart? Um cuz right now especially, you know, this summer with the Black Lives Matter movement and there's just been such a like surge of of activism on, on all fronts mm-hmm. um, which is really incredible to see um, so it's both exciting and frightening at the same time um, but I think you know what I was just talking about with training up younger leaders I think that's such a key part of it is is we have a big emphasis on training more people up you know this idea that like you you can't have enough leaders I think a lot of organizations operate on like having a very hierarchical structure where it's like oh there's there's leaders and then there's everyone else but we know that to sustain this movement, like we have to constantly be training more people to be like leaders in their community, leaders mm-hmm. in this fight. Um, and we have to build strong partnerships with, with other groups who are working towards, you know, sometimes the same, the same goals as us, sometimes ones that are, you know, we have some overlap and some things we might be, you know, not as much focused on the same, the same issues, the same parts of it, or even the same kind of like tactics for achieving it. So I think it's a lot of just, building leaders building relationships um so that you know when when someone gets burnt out when someone gets fatigued um when someone you know has to step back for whatever reason uh, that we're able to keep that momentum up um and i think it's it's hard it's balancing that and like taking care of yourself so you can keep going with with also maintaining the sense of urgency that drives us forward right like mm-hmm. um and so again it's just kind of trying to bring in bring in fresh people who are excited and keep that like keep that strong yeah. community. Uh, so I think that's like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. difficult, but I think that's what we have to try to do. Yeah. Um, that's good. So you're yeah. building in some long-term sustainability type of mm-hmm. strategy into it. Uh, mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. So uh, we could talk to about, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the green new deal. Um, you know, it, it's uh, I think it's a great vision for the future. Uh, it seems to take on many of the social ills that are plaguing us today. Um, first, there's the green part, you know, the, the environmental consciousness, but then there's a lot of other issues tacked into it, um, racial justice, um, 
Let me see, indigenous rights, healthcare, housing, collective bargaining, gender earning gap, um, guaranteed livable wage, and so on. And it, it doesn't take a social scientist to understand that you know, all these issues are related and they all need to be addressed at some level. But you know, my personal fear is that um, that this framework for the future needs to attack the framework for the present on a lot of different fronts. And I'm just afraid of like spreading it out too far where, you know, a break in the rank at some point is going to cause the whole thing to collapse. So uh, mm -hmm. what's your opinion about that? I mean, what, what sort of strategies are being advocated uh, by the Sunrise Movement to make sure that these issues uh, are seen through to fruition? Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a really common question. Um, and yeah, it, it is a good point. It, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to kind of conceptualize, like trying to bring about so much change in so many areas at once. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, as you mentioned, you know, we see these issues as super interrelated and impossible to find a real solution for the climate crisis without also in the process addressing some of these other things because it's mm -hmm. all the same systems of oppression. Um, but I think it, that goes back to what I was saying about, about partnerships, right? Because we know that we can't, as one organization, like, tackle everything and we haven't been in this game very long there are other groups that have been doing you know organizing work for far longer than us and that are much more knowledgeable about their own you know about whether it's healthcare, housing you know they're much more knowledgeable about those things than than we might be um and so it's kind of about building this broad uh these broad coalitions that can work on those together and so like we can throw our support behind you know the matter movement. we can throw our support behind um you know, folks fighting for Medicare for all and and we'll do some work in those areas, but it doesn't have to be all on on one group's plate. Mm -hmm. um, and we actually talk a lot about um, in Sunrise, we kind of conceptualize the larger political moment that we're in in terms of what we call alignments. Um, and so, yeah, so so there's kind of like three that we like to talk about a lot. There's the New Deal alignment, which sort of was a combination of different groups that had had like certain things in common. Um, and certain things very much at odds with each other. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that included like labor unions, um, civil rights and the black freedom movement, um, including, you know, some capitalist reform reformers, mm -hmm. um, you know, Southern whites who were also kind of, but, you know, so these groups are very much at odds, right? The civil rights movement, Southern whites, like, obviously. Um, and we see ourselves now under um, the Reagan alignment, which is a lot of, you know, groups like free market capitalists, um, white supremacy, the Christian right, um, Cold War, uh, Cold War, you know, remnants and neoconservatives. We see a lot of these groups that are currently like the dominant political powers, mm -hmm. um, and they don't necessarily have to agree on everything, but they're sort of broadly aligned. And so, what we're working with a lot of groups to bring about is is what we like to term the People's Alignment, um, which includes like climate advocates, racial justice movements, um, you know, Native and Indigenous groups, um, workers who are organizing for labor unions, you know healthcare workers, different things like that, um, to where, you know, we're all fighting for a lot of these same things and we have a vision for a drastically different future. Mm -hmm. um, but we're not all coming from the same place. We may not agree on everything, but it's about trying to um, basically unite people. And so talking about these things in, in combination, you know, we're saying like the Green New Deal also like needs to make sure that we're like taking care of people with healthcare and that we're actually providing them with like not just, you know, safe air to breathe, but also the, the ability to, you know, have a good job to be able to access, you know, what they need. Um, that helps people kind of understand where we're coming from and come over to our side because, you know, as I mentioned before, the, the environmental movement has a long history of not necessarily focusing on people in, in the same way. Um, so I think it helps people um, join our movement in some ways. Okay. Um, 
So I think, yeah, it's a lot about those partnerships, about creating those alignments um, and creating a holistic vision for the future that people can really sign on to, even if um, some parts of it they aren't as familiar with initially. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good answer. Very good. Thank you. Well, the, um, the, what are the things then that, I mean, that people can do right now? I, I've, I look at things like, you know, people getting electric cars and things like that, but I mean, are there more things that, that people can do to, uh, help contribute on a personal level? I, and, and we'll talk later on about, you know, what I would call the call to action, how people can get involved in the Sunrise Movement directly. But, but right now as an individual, uh, are there things that people can do to help our environment to be less wasteful and, and just small things we can do that actually add up over a period of time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I hesitate to actually truly answer that question because I think that um, there's, there's been a long um, emphasis on individual action. Um, and I think a lot of that is actually like been driven by, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of corporations that want to deflect blame. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually, there's the tweet that I, that I'm thinking of. It's from um, one of the big uh, oil companies and they were basically were like, oh, check out our carbon footprint tracker where you can like enter, you know, all this information about your life and how you live. And, you know, it'll tell you about your carbon footprint and recommend steps to reduce it. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone one tweeted back and they were, you know, like, they were like, oh, like, you know, just calling them out for basically being a huge polluter mm-hmm. uh, who actually has the power to make to make a change. Because like, while we, what we do as individuals matter, um, it's sort of like when you're, when you're talking about, you know, someone who makes makes a hundred thousand dollars versus someone who makes a billion dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're just not all on the same scale and individual action isn't going to be what solves the climate crisis. And so like, well, I encourage people to check out sustainability things in, in their own personal lives. And that can be very like fulfilling and exciting. I think that information is really out there. Um, and for some people, it's not accessible to do those kinds of things. Like, sure. um, you know, we know like eating vegetarian is, that's actually a really awesome thing to do as an individual. And that's probably the one I would like recommend as a top thing is trying to eat more vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some folks, like that's just not an accessible diet. And I think it can be very alienating um, to be like, mm-hmm. to try to tell people that that's what they need to do. Got it. Um, so yeah, I encourage people to check that out, but I don't think it's something that like, it's something we don't necessarily want to focus on as much as Sunrise, mm-hmm. um, but we do want to focus on people to kind of um, find ways to to um, get together and organize. And it doesn't have to be with Sunrise, um, right. but just checking out like groups in your community. Um, so that's more what we see as individual action, you know, or even just, you know, getting involved in, in politics in one way or another. And we can talk more about that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, or, or you do have the levers for being, uh, for, you know, making those bigger decisions. If you are, you know, have a, have a job or something like that, those can be individual actions. Um, if you have the ability to like leverage your power like that and, and you know, change the way that the, the place you work for does something. Mm-hmm. That's, I would say, an impact that's worth kind of trying to, to think about a little bit more. Well, let's talk about that. What other organizations, um, that uh, you recommend people can get involved with or, or what other organizations does Sunrise Movement coordinate with as well? Can you name a few of them? Yeah. So um, um, Action St. Louis is really incredible. Um, our city defenders, they don't necessarily um, do as much volunteer work, but they're a good group to, to kind of follow along with as well. Mm-hmm. Um but nationally, there's you know, there's for, places also. Nationally, like, yeah, you know, I'll make fair vote or something mm-hmm. like that, perhaps. Or. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for folks who you know maybe like 
maybe don't necessarily fall in Sunrise's age range, like I said, we we would, would welcome you to be a part of, of the hub here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also groups like um, 350 and Sierra Club that um, sometimes I think, you know, are more, not, not, not 350 as much, Sierra Club is a great organization, but it is one that's been around for a long time. So they carry a bit more, more um, baggage with them and aren't able to be as agile. Mm-hmm. But they still do really important work. Um, and I think pushing them um, even more is a really important thing too. Um, and I know that's one that's just more accessible to some people. Um, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of really cool groups. Um, yeah. I would also encourage people to research like um, indigenous groups in their areas um, who are organ- who have been organizing um, for a long time um, around environmental issues and kind of trying to learn more about that. And that's something that I haven't done enough of, and I'm trying to uh, learn more about because that's also a really important part of the environmental movement that I think a lot of people don't think about. Yeah, um, but yeah. these are kind of the original land and water protectors. Yeah. So yeah, there is, there is uh, there's quite a, quite a few movements in that area. I, I understand. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, as far as an individuals getting involved in uh, the sunrise movement, um, what does, uh, what can, what can people do? Uh, not only locally here in St. Louis, but I'm you know speaking national wise and nationwide, uh, there's all kinds of hubs, I suppose, in different groups. So how would a person get started who's interested in getting involved in Sunrise Movement? Yeah. So if you're here in um, St. Louis, um, you can reach out to us at sunrisemovement.stl at gmail.com. Um, and that's where you can find us. Right now we're meeting virtually. Um, and so we meet uh, two Tuesdays a month. Our next meeting is going to be on the 18th. And we're actually having kind of a big launch meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find out more um, by emailing us there um, or finding us on social media. We're sunrisestl. Um, but nationally, I would say um, you can go to sunrisemovement.org or just you know Google Sunrise Movement, and there's a tab that says Take Action. And there's a lot of really great ways that you can get involved, um, even from, from home. You don't necessarily have to be somewhere where there is a hub. Um, there's a lot of uh, teams that do different things like um, phone banking for candidates from home. That was actually a huge part of how we got Corey elected was we were able to um, make call people from, you know, all over the country and even outside of the country were, were coming on these national phone banks to make calls for her and reach mm. voters, which is really awesome. Okay. So there's things like that. Um, and there's other there's other like ways that you can get involved, um, even if you can't go out right now because, you know, it's a global pandemic um, or if you live somewhere that like you know, there isn't a hub and you're not, you're not like ready to start one or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, so there's, there's hubs in a lot of places. There's ways to get involved um, from anywhere. Uh, and there's, I think there's a really like great sense of community in Sunrise, even when you are uh, kind of working remotely. So um, yeah. there's a lot of ways to get involved um, here locally. We're kind of going to be looking at our, our next steps moving forward um, and what we might want to work on next after this campaign. So we're, on the 18th, uh, we're going to have that virtual meeting and be celebrating the victories and talking about um, what some exciting new work looks like moving forward. So. Right. Well, it'll get a lot easier as uh, when this COVID thing goes away. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but it's a real uh, somewhat of a disadvantage trying to organize in this environment. Uh, we just have to do the best we can virtually, Definitely. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, um, is there anything else you'd like to add, uh, Grace, before we uh, call it uh, call it a day? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I would just say I would just encourage everyone um, to find a way that you can get involved, whether that's you know with political campaigns or even just local neighborhood organizing. Um, I also just encourage people to to uh, make sure to uh, incorporate and and keep centering um, 
Black and Indigenous voices and lives at the center of our organizing um, and trying to make sure that our groups um, actually like reflect the communities that we live in. Um, and so I guess that's a call to action too. Okay. Um, it's just when you're organizing, make sure that, you know, we're trying to build um, groups that can actually win, win the things that we need. Okay. Well put. Um, we've been talking with Grace Tedder, the local hub coordinator for the Sunrise Movement Organization, which is dedicated to building an army of young people to create millions of good jobs and stop climate change in the process. And if you want to get a hold of the Sunrise Movement, that again is sunrisemovement.org, all one word, no hyphens, no underscores, sunrisemovement.org. Grace, uh, I want to thank you for stopping by and joining us this evening. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to talk. Thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Party After Dark podcast. Please consider subscribing to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. Each week we'll bring you interesting topics from the Alliance Party. You may subscribe on iTunes, Google, or Spotify. Also, keep in mind that the podcast has a Twitter page at Alliance On Air. All content for this podcast is copyright the Alliance Party. Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Alliance Party. This podcast is a production of the Alliance Party, a decades-long movement of fiscally conservative, moderate, accountable, and reasoned independents, former Democrats, former Republicans, and alienated voters who demand that our elected officials work in the spirit of nonpartisanship for all constituents and provide a better future for our country. This podcast was made possible by your donations to the Alliance Party. If you'd like to join the Alliance Party, visit our website at theallianceparty.com. Drop in, see what we're all about, and get involved. Volunteer your time, make a donation, submit an article or blog, or run for office. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Dan Schaefer, producer of the Alliance Party After Dark, and on behalf of everyone at the Alliance Party, have a wonderful evening, a great week ahead, and we hope you drop in for our next show. Be safe, be aware, and please take care of yourself and those around you.